just open and let it breathe. Yep. where policing meets personal growth, tough conversations, and partially filtered stories of real events. This is the Monday Morning Quarterback Show. Occasionally, people go on the social media platforms and they type in Monday Morning Quarterback, and those people probably aren't police officers, don't understand the value in doing a critique or doing an after action, and the purpose is not to criticize the officers. The purpose is to point out maybe mistakes that were made or things that they did well, so collectively as a whole, we can learn from those things. I think that's one of the the main kind of issues in law enforcement in general is that, especially for patrol guys, if you get involved in these incidents, there really is no, there's no learning from it necessarily amongst other officers. Um, at most, the officer will talk to somebody else about what happened, of course, uh, but that information usually isn't shared um, amongst the people, the other officers that are on the street, and so that information kind of gets lost. So how this will work in theory I'll play the video for you to see in its entirety, and then I will walk through the video with you. Hopefully have it up on your screen, otherwise it might not make a whole lot of sense. If you are going to be listening to this, you're definitely going to want to watch it, otherwise it might not make sense, and you would want to do that over on YouTube or Spotify. This content's going to be labeled as explicit or for 18 or older. That means it'll be restricted, and it won't be pushed by any of the platforms, so if you want to help out the show, share the show with your buddies. All the Kinetic Concept social media platforms will be linked in the description if you're new here, so make sure you are following there. I like to keep these videos around 25 minutes or so, and I want these to be, I want to be able to easily put these together. And therefore, I may not do a whole lot of research into the body camera uh, because I've watched it and I've kind of clipped it together most likely just so I can talk about the training points that I saw. And so that's not what this is. This isn't a repost of the video. This isn't maybe giving you the entire context unless I feel like the context or other information is necessary. Um, so there are going to be, you know, pieces not uh, viewed within the video itself, but that's necessary because I'm not going to play a 15, 20 minute video just to talk about two minutes of the video. This first video is from Euclid, Ohio, which is coincidentally where I was born. The, the bailiff actually was evicting somebody and had a locksmith on site with a couple officers. The person inside was refusing to come out of the house. Uh, they knew he was inside. He was kind of saying like, yeah, I'll get my stuff together. I'll be out. And they're like, no, you got to come out now. And so the video starts here where the locksmith unlocks the door and steps away. Just open and let it breathe. Ready? Yep. Mr. McGraw! Jesus! Oh! Shots fired! Shots fired! Shots fired! Shots fired! Get the fuck out of there! Radio, he's shooting from inside the house. Stuck in the... Can you get out? Man, jump out that fucking window. Hold on. Hold on. Radio, we got an officer stuck. Officer stuck in the house. 
and let it breathe. Yep. You ready? Yep. Mr. McGoy! Oh! That's fire! No! Get doors left. Doors left. Doors left. Go, 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 Just open and let it breathe. So the officer tells the other officer to open the door and let it breathe, which is a great idea. And the purpose of doing that is to potentially cause reaction inside of the house here. Um, and, you know, the idea is that if there's a person inside waiting for something to happen at the door, maybe they will start shooting at the first sign of movement on the door. And you won't be overexposed when you're doing that and, and immediately um, visually show yourself to the person inside so reaches over and just kind of what you do is you just you know turn the knob enough and just crack the door enough uh, just to kind of get it able to swing free so that at that point all you would have to do is you know push the door open yep now generally speaking you want to try to work the doors from the knob side uh, because in doing so, you don't expose yourself as you're reaching across the door to open it. You'll see his lower leg is kind of exposed, his upper chest a little bit, and his head. Whereas if the officer on the knob side worked the door, um, he wouldn't be exposed at all. And in this case, he could do that because we know that to the left of the door, it's just a wall. It's just the rest of the house. And also, if this if the structure of the inside wasn't kind of set up this way, if it was just like a regular room, then to the left of the knob here in the direction the officer is reaching, um, if there was a person waiting in that direction, you know, you, you are the first thing he sees as the doors come open. So you, the person opposite of the knob side as the door comes open wants to be as prepared as possible, as quickly as possible. And the best way to do that is have the guy on the knob side uh, work the door. Another thing I just want to point out is I talk about you're having the correct mindset, assuming the correct posture, and then having a process. So the way that these officers are approaching the situation is great because, you know, this is somebody is getting evicted, right? And actually in 2019, when I did research into 2019 officers that were killed, there's quite a few officers that are killed uh, serving civil processes like this here. Um, so you know, these, these officers are here and they know that this person is refusing to come out and they're not taking it for granted. Um, they are, they have the correct mindset and I know they have the correct mindset because they're assuming the correct posture. So the correct mindset in this situation is when we open the door, this guy is going to start shooting, right? And if that's your mindset, then you will physically assume the correct posture to uh, prepare for that moment. And then after, you know, you have the correct mindset, you assume the correct posture, then you should have a process for how you uh, execute any tactical tasks that may arise from the situation that you are preparing for. 
Mr. McGraw! Shots fired! Shots fired! So the officer retreats to the car, which is fine, just getting to the nearest point of cover. And he comes up on the gun, and he has his support hand uh, on his on his gun, and he's kind of got just like two fingers because he's holding his flashlight. I understand why he has his flashlight. It makes perfect sense because he's on the outside of the door in a lit environment, potentially going to be looking into a dark environment, and he knows he's not going to be able to see that well. And having your light in your hand ready to kind of look in there is the right thing to do. My only question is, is the person inside at the point where they're popping the door committing a crime and is he going to be arrested um and if that is the case then you know i would have my gun out instead right so he fires two rounds and if you didn't see it on the first time i showed it i'll point it out here when i switch to the other body camera um but we know that the door is basically in a little hallway so to the right and to the left of the door there's just a wall you know i, I can't see what he sees i don't know what he's shooting at exactly um, but maybe in his mind, he's just kind of putting rounds in that direction to, um, you know, I don't want to say, you know, necessarily suppress, which is kind of what he does here in a second, which isn't something that we do. Shots fired! Shots fired! Get the fuck out of there! Radio, he's shooting from inside the house. So uh, it'll make more sense here when I go forward on the video, but the bad guy shot two rounds initially. The officer returned fire with two rounds, and then the bad guy shoots one more round, which is probably the round he used to shoot himself, and then this officer returned fire, and now at this point there's no more gunfire. The bad guy is actually not, you know, he's dead uh, from a self-inflicted gunshot wound is what it seems. And then this officer, he yells to the other officer, you know, try to get out of there. And then he continues to fire. The house, stuck in the, can you get out? Jump out that fucking window. Hold on, hold on. Radio, we got an officer stuck. So... I kind of feel like in, in the officer's mind, he's yelling at the guy to get out of there and telling him to hang on, almost to say, like, I'll cover you as you try to get out of there. Um, and, you know, suppressive fire isn't something that's talked about or, or even taught, but there is terminology used um, to describe a situation where maybe you have to do something like this where it makes more sense, um, and they call that directive fire. <laughs> And just so happens that the kind of theme with this show, this this particular episode, is shooting a lot of rounds. And I didn't mean for that to be the case, but it kind of just went that way. And also, like there won't necessarily be um, a a theme to every every one of these that I do. Um, it just so happens that this is the case in this situation. Just open and let it breathe. Yep. Ready? Yep. So this is what I was talking about. If the if there was, um, you know, if this was like a center-fed door to a, or center-fed room and a door to that room, and you pop the door here, um, the disadvantage of doing that is that anybody over this direction has a you know clear shot of you, and um, 
you can mitigate that by working the door from the other side. So the first round just went off and it came off uh, somewhere up here and it kind of made me think that the bad guy's elevated in some way. So I thought maybe there were some steps going up here, but I couldn't um, find that on, on anything when I was trying to find the house and see if I could see what it looked like inside. So that first round, I believe, is up here in the window. And that second round is going to be up here in the door. So those two rounds are from the officer. And if you notice there, there was a piece of something after that officer shot that kind of flew at this officer here. Um, and for whatever reason, the agency or whatever, when they put out this video, they didn't put out the part where the office, they didn't put out this view, this angle, this officer's body camera when the other officer shoots all those rounds. And I'm thinking maybe they didn't do that because um, it doesn't look good on his camera. So maybe there's a whole bunch of like rounds maybe coming in close to this officer, you know. So, again, I, I just feel like, you know, obviously shooting a lot in that situation at something you can't see is not really a great idea. And also, you know, what if this officer on the inside decides that he's going to run out, right, and you decide to start shooting? So that's definitely a problem. <laughs> that last round and then those subsequent rounds that first round was the bad guy inside and then those subsequent rounds was this officer here around the outside so just like really kind of nitpicking but you can tell this officer is doing a good job i mean he doesn't you can tell he doesn't want to be very vocal and that's really not what you should do because you know, the, the person inside probably doesn't know he's here. And by yelling out, you're now telling him that you are here. I mean, you could open yourself up to just getting, taking rounds through the wall at that point. Um, so on the officer on the outside, you know, maybe try to communicate with your radio. Um, and if you're the officer on the inside, maybe try to do the same and something short, uh, short, clear and concise, like I'm good, I'm good or something, um, because having a whole lot of conversation could give away your position. No. So in that last uh, iteration there, I'll, I'll run it back real quick, just a little bit. There was a brief moment here where the officer um, kind of stepped to the left and he looked. It seemed like he was kind of trying to look in there. Um, and when he did that, it's hard to tell from the body camera. So I'm just going to point it out just in case, um, if that's something that you're going to do, especially in this situation where the person's already committed to shooting a, a police officer, it seemed like he was kind of leading with his head a little bit instead of leading with his gun in a deliberate, you know, slicing the pie or threshold evaluation. And I actually see that happen a lot. Um, where officers are doing that, um, they're, they're, they lead with their head to check and they have their gun down and they're, and they're doing this, right? The only thing that's going to happen in that situation is you're going to get shot in the head first before anything happens. Um, so to give yourself more of a chance, more of a fighting chance, if you are going to do that, you really want to have your gun up and you want to just be just barely looking over your sights. Um, 
I would even kind of argue it wouldn't be a bad idea to be looking through your dot as well um, in that particular situation because you know there is a threat. And when you're, you have, if you have a red dot and you're looking through your optic, you are target focused. So both your eyes are open. And so you're not going to miss anything if you have your dot superimposed already um, ready to put rounds on somebody if you need to do that. Got doors left. Doors left. Doors left. Go, 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 go. So you'll notice that when they come in here with the shield, I mean, there's maybe maybe a quarter of the shield, um, maybe half of the shield that actually um, covers the threat area to get the officer out. You know, again, we're looking at a body camera. I, I could be kind of wrong, but I was just going to point it out. When you're doing this task here, you know, you are assuming all of the risk as the person with the shield. And your job is to cover the guy that's egressing. And the only way that you can do that is getting as much of the shield into the threshold as you can. And I know the, the idea or the mental mindset of this officer here is like, I don't want to get shot, you know, so let me kind of, I don't want to step in the door. But that's actually your job in that situation is that with the shield, you should take the rounds instead of the other person. Um, and, and in order to do that, we call it eating it, right? Just eat the doorway, eat the threshold. So if you are the guy that's doing this part here, you need to get the entire face of the shield uh, facing the threat area to allow that guy to egress. So in this situation, instead of kind of stepping up and kind of pushing the shield out there, you really need to get your, the entire shield into the threshold so that person can move around behind you. Go, 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 go. Pull it out. Let everybody back up, up the street. And so, like I said, they, the bad guy had shot himself, or it seemed like what they said it was a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Um, and so, you know, again, you really got to be cognizant of how many rounds you're firing and why. Um, you know, have a positive identification of a target or at least be able to clearly articulate why it is you are putting rounds in that location. And a common scenario that I use to kind of talk to people about in a situation where you might have to put rounds in a certain location is, let's say, for example, you are uh, clearing a residence and you see a person um, in, a, in a closet reach his hand around with a, with a gun and start shooting, right? It's pretty obvious that the bad guy is exactly, you know, right around the corner in proximity to where his hand is. So that might be a situation where you put rounds on the wall right there and you're able to clearly articulate why you did that. But I would also add that being able to do that, recognize it and do it and make a conscious choice that I'm going to put rounds here because I can, I, I perceive the bad guy to be right here is something that's actually hard to do. And even in training, um, it's just one of those things where you have to teach yourself in training to recognize it and do it. And it's just not something that's easy to do. In this next video, officers were doing a robbery investigation. And I assume doing surveillance, uh, there was a SWAT team involved, which I, I believe this is a SWAT team. They watched the robbery happened. Um, they conducted a takedown uh, after the robbery occurred. And they're actually using, forget the I don't know the name of the device, but the, 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 the arm on the vehicle that comes down and then wraps up the tires, um, which I thought was pretty cool. And I actually think that that might be something that kind of catches on as, as a common way of kind of interdicting on these crimes. So here's the video. 
Alright, camera. There it is. Ready? Yep, I'm ready. Let's do it. You got the radio, okay? Get that thing down. Get that thing down. Two people, guys, and he's doing something. That front seat passenger's doing something. He's reaching still. What's it doing? So it seems like the officers were able to get up here and kind of do this covertly. Um, I didn't, you'll see here, or you already saw, I guess, in the in the camera, it didn't look like there was any, you know, police lights on at the time, which is fine because they're trying to be able to get into position to, um, to complete this task. He's doing something. That front seat passenger's doing something. He's reaching. He's trying to get the door out. So right here you can see the bad guy reaches out of the door uh, behind him and begins firing. So the officer in the passenger seat, they know they're doing a takedown of a violent robbery suspect. And so he has his gun out and he's ready to engage, which is great. A number of those first rounds came uh, he was shot through his windshield and a big part of the high-risk vehicle encounters class that I teach is um, educating officers on the inconsistencies of shooting through your windshield and in this in that situation in that very moment he didn't have any other choice because you know he couldn't clear his muzzle he couldn't get in a V position uh, because the vehicle is directly in front of him and, and they're still moving so again, one of the themes that just so happens to be with this this episode is shooting a lot of rounds. And at the end here, I'll play a video and show you why that's not a great idea. Uh, but he shoots a lot through his front windshield. He transitions to shooting through his passenger window at the bad guy. And as you already saw, which I'll play here in a second, the bad guy is able to run away from that situation. And I'll kind of show you what I think happened. 
Officer's reloading. So this is one of the major, you know, reasons why officer uh, per hit percentage is going to going to remain to be bad uh, because we tend to shoot a lot instead of being deliberate about our marksmanship. So looking at the car here, um, you know, there's quite a, a, dis a discrepancy in round placement as far as I can tell. It would be great to be able to see where all these rounds went, but not going to be able to do that because there's no video available. But there's at least one here, one here, there's one up here. And that's pretty much all we can tell. And, you know, the vehicle's moving, the officer's moving. None of that stuff is easy. Um, but we just have to be aware of, you know, where we're putting rounds and why we're putting them there. Because all of these rounds that are in places where you're not going to hit the threat are, it's wasted time, right? So there's one round up here, like near the engine. There's one round down here that's probably going into the floorboard. And all of those rounds are rounds that are not stopping the threat. So what I think happened here, it looks like, is that the the bad guy who was in the passenger seat crawled out of the driver's side and, and was running from that direction. And you could tell back here, you know, there's a lot of rounds hitting here, which is, you know, the great backdrop to have a concrete wall and I'll point out why in this next video why it's probably not a good idea to shoot your gun till slide lock um, and the male ended up dying and the female behind the wall was in critical condition With the trooper already wounded and lying on the ground. the gun out of my hand with a fully loaded magazine. I laid there with my eyes closed, in the dark, in the quiet. So I don't know uh, exactly what the officer was chasing this guy for, uh, what the circumstances were, um, but, you know, basically he, he gets out of the car, from what we can tell, and he shoots from what we can tell, his whole magazine at this car. And I'll just point out what I believe is that the officer, um, I think the trooper, was standing at the front left of his vehicle when the bad guy started shooting. And if you listen, if you didn't hear it already, you'll be able to hear the shots and hear the officer get hit. 
been shot! Thirty-two, I'm down. With the trooper already wounded and lying on the ground. So this is the bad guy shooting war. So just firstly, you know, we, we, you always want to put as much of the vehicle between yourself and the bad guy as possible. And a lot of times that happens to be the rear of your vehicle. And that's what you hear people talking about a lot, not standing in the V not and getting to the rear of your vehicle, which is right. Uh, but the, the rule is putting as much of the vehicle between you and the bad guy as possible. Sometimes, depending on the circumstances, instead of the rear, it will be the front. Um, sometimes you kind of have to just stand on the side because that's the only thing that makes sense based on the threat and based on what you're seeing. Uh, but putting as much of the vehicle between yourself and the bad guy is going to allow that round more chances to deviate uh, before it gets to you. And it's very unlikely that a round goes all the way through a vehicle and hits you front to back or back to front. If you go on the YouTube, uh, you know, look at the uh, felony stop or not felony stop video, but the um, using a vehicle as cover video that I did, and I go in depth and explain. I explain that in that video. So as you already saw, the bad guy, you know, the the trooper shoots his gun to slide lock and from what I can tell, doesn't hit the guy. Obviously he's up and still moving. He's able to return fire and hit the deputy because the deputy or the trooper, sorry, wasn't in a great position um, and kind of left himself open to be hit. And then, you know, through the exchange of gunfire, the bad guy goes, walks up to the deputy or sorry, trooper and takes his pistol, pistol out of his hand. Um, and as you saw, the trooper was in the middle of a reload or was reloading when the, he got hit and therefore he wasn't able to subsequently return fire and mitigate the threat. Um, he was shot 12 times and he survived. But the point is, is being more deliberate with your marksmanship and all of those videos that we just saw, that was kind of the commonality and kind of the thing that, um, you know, if we're just more deliberate and we're doing the things that we're supposed to be doing, applying the fundamentals of marksmanship, and you are getting a sight picture per se, and then you will engage the target um, based on target difficulty and what makes sense. So in the last video with the, the person running from the vehicle, you know, he's at a full sprint and we're basically shooting, running our rifle as fast as we can. A lot of questions kind of come in. And, and one of those questions is in the moment that you're shooting, what is the what is the reason that you need to be shooting so fast? Not what is the reason that you're shooting at all, just what is the reason that you need to be pulling the trigger as fast as you are because we're missing, right? And that's not actually solving the problem. So if you look at the time from that last shooting from the vehicle from the beginning of gunfire till the threat was actually stopped, how many rounds were fired, and the question kind of becomes, could we have stopped that sooner by shooting less and being more deliberate with our marksmanship. That's it for this episode. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you're engaging on whatever platform the show is reaching you on. It would be helpful if you shared the show because otherwise nobody will see it. All the links to the social media sites will be linked in the description.
Family, I love them. I can't copy. I can't copy. Family, I love them. We got crews coming.